got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Mary and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble servant, the humble state of his servant. For now on all generations we call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He performs mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to his ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Colin. I'm the pastor here. It's great to meet you if it's your first time, and you're very welcome. Great to have you here. Well, as Christmas comes up, if you could have asked for anything for Christmas, I wonder what it would be. What would you ask for? Or if you could ask God for anything, what would you ask for? There was a radio show host in Washington, D.C., who on Christmas rang around um, some ambassadors from various countries, their embassies, uh, in the run-up to Christmas, asking them what they would most like for Christmas. Uh, Well, the French ambassador was the first to pick up. Um, His answer? Peace and goodwill to all men. Next on the list was the Chinese ambassador. He thought for a moment and then said, I'd like to end hunger and disease throughout the world. Then the radio show host called the British Embassy and was put through to the ambassador. What would you like most for Christmas, Mr. Ambassador? I'd be very happy for some aftershave and a new pair of slippers. See, the British Ambassador had made kind of a category error. He thought in terms of what kind of gift he could reasonably expect from um, an ordinary person uh, and kind of limited his answers to that. The other ambassadors understood the intent of the question and raised their sights to what they thought the world really needed. Raised their sights to what the world really needed. Um, We'll continue our look um, at the lead up to Jesus' birth, and we're going to concentrate on Jesus' mother, Mary, today, at how, inspired by God, she and her cousin Elizabeth experienced the joy of understanding who her baby is, the joy of raising their sights to see how this baby is God acting in mercy and power to bring us the gift that we really need. So, first of all, there's an outline in your leaflets there, if you find that kind of thing helpful. Uh, first of all, we join a sort of mini baby shower, but it's not, not your ordinary baby shower, okay? It's a baby shower that God uses to help Elizabeth and Mary to understand 
and to feel the significance of the events that they are right in the middle of. So just to remind you where this story comes into in history, God's people, Israel, they've been in exile and they've returned to the promised land from humiliating exile. But things are still far from how they're supposed to be. Um, they're occupied in their nation by the pagan Romans, and the Romans have placed Herod, um, a sort of paranoid, self-obsessed puppet king, um, in charge. And it's been 400 years since the last sort of capital P prophet, Malachi. So Israel at this point is crying out, crying out for blessing from God. They're crying out for the promised rescuer king spoken about by the prophets long ago. So that's the national situation. But what about Mary's situation? I mean, in our culture, uh, an unmarried woman being pregnant isn't a, a big deal, is it? But in Mary's culture, it would have been a really big deal. Should have been shunned and shamed. You know, my own mother was adopted because her biological mother was made pregnant outside marriage by an American GI. And she was uh, sort of hidden away with relatives to give birth to my mum and eventually moved to Australia where nobody knew about any of that. And that was in the 20th century. So imagine how difficult it was for Mary in a Jewish community and in a sustenance economy where you depend on your community to survive. Life would have just got a lot harder for her. And yet, this baby shower is a really joyful occasion. There's no sort of hint of a tail-between-the-legs coyness about this get-together. So given the tough circumstances, why is it such a joyful occasion? Well, it's because Elizabeth and Mary are being given God's perspective on what's going on. God's insight into Mary's situation turns what could be a time of, of duress into a time of celebration. God's helping Elizabeth and Mary grasp just how huge what is happening is. So have a look um, uh, from verse 41. Uh, Luke has again ordered this informa his information to help us get the meaning. So in verse 41 and 44, we're told twice about Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, leaping. This is John the Baptist, you know, starting his ministry really early, even in the womb, preparing the, for the arrival of Jesus. So that leap in 41 and 44 formed bookends around the inside information that Elizabeth gets from God. So not from an angel this time, but directly from God through his Holy Spirit. Um, and in Luke's gospel, God speaking directly, God the Father, or through the Holy Spirit, speaking directly is quite rare in Luke's Gospel, so we need to pay attention when he does appear, like at Jesus' baptism, things like that. So verse 41, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? See, such a turning point in history is Mary's baby. God in his kindness wants Mary and Elizabeth and us to have his perspective on Jesus. Now, blessed is a funny word, isn't it? Or sometimes we say blessed. 
but we never say messed. Do we? So, I don't know. Blessed. It's a funny word. In the Bible, it, it means more than a sort of temporary or circumstantial feeling of happiness. Or it means more than being wealthy. No, blessed is shorthand for a state of well-being in relationship to God that those who trust in him, through trusting in his son Jesus, enjoy. So a state of well-being in relationship with God. That's what we mean when we say blessed. So inspired by the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth calls Mary's baby what she would only ever call God. My Lord. Did you see that? Sorry, I'm just... uh, My iPad's playing up. Okay. Um, This idea that uh, Jesus is God himself... Um, come as one of us, wasn't dreamed up by dusty theologians or some Roman emperor's conspiracy to fit in with his agenda or any of these other daft ideas that you might hear. Um, Jesus, that Jesus is God himself is not our interpretation, it's what God has told us. So Gabriel, the angel Gabriel had already told Mary to call her boy Jesus, which itself means God is our saviour. He said that Mary's son will be called Son of the Most High and Son of God. And hundreds of years before Isaiah had prophesied um, this from Isaiah 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we've uh, we've seen Rosie this morning, so Esther and Rosie and Vivian all have babies due next year. And I wonder what your hopes and dreams are for your babies. Now, with our children, I was always just um, fascinated to find out who they would look most like, you know. Um, who would they grow up to be the most like? Would they have Sharon's sunny disposition and good looks? Or my killer dance moves, maybe, I don't know. Elizabeth and Mary are so full of joy because God is helping them to realize that Mary's baby is God himself coming into the world to bring the blessing and the rescue that he promised long ago. And it's interesting, isn't it, that as God's lifting the lid on his plan of salvation, the response is joy. This is good news. This is blessing. This small baby is a big deal because he's not a temporary fix. He's the gift that we all really need. He's the one who deals once and for all with what gets in the way of us knowing God's blessing, knowing being in right, peaceful, right relationship with God. So Christians, believers here today, I want to say to you, it's, it's right and appropriate to make a big deal about this small baby. It is good to celebrate Christmas. Now, I know there's a lot um, of plain wrong ways that Christmas is celebrated, a lot of material excess that can really, really hurt families. But I also think it's true that often the people who are most grumpy about Christmas are Christians. But when God lets those involved in that first Christmas in on, this, in on the story, in the significance of what happens, the mood is, well, it's a bit like a Christmas party. So I'd encourage you, don't let people getting Christmas wrong get in the way of you 
getting Christmas right. We can follow Elizabeth and Mary's example in how we handle our circumstances as well. So when life gets hard, it can lead us to doubt God. But Elizabeth and Mary get God's perspective on their circumstances. So rather than their circumstances, giving them their perspective of God. So God's word, his promises, and what he's revealing to them, that's their lens on their world and their life and their circumstances. They're not letting their world and their circumstances be their lens on God. So, as uh, God helps Mary, starts getting her head around the significance of her baby, what God is doing, she starts to praise God uh, and then give lots of reasons why God is worth praising. A a psalm of praise, like like Robin read in in her prayers. So, our next heading now, calling Mary blessed. So, in in her song, Mary sings, actually, the word there, I can't find it, it says said in your translation there, doesn't it? And every other use of that word says said, it doesn't say sing. However, her words are in the form of a psalm, in, in the form of a song. So I'm going to call it a song, okay? But it's good to be accurate with what the Bible actually says. Uh, in her song, Mary sings, from now on all generations will call me blessed. And here we are, all this time later, helping to fulfill that prophecy. Calling Mary blessed. So this song is roughly in in two halves. Um, So verses 46 to 49 are really personal, what God has done for Mary that leads her to praise. And then uh, verse 50 onwards, her song opens out to include all of Israel, all of humanity. And the personal part, Mary's personal prayer, shows that she is uh, God-centered, joyful, and humble. From verse 46, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now you probably wear some parts of the church around the world have a very high view of Mary. If we stick with what the Bible tells us about Mary, um, we, we can't go down the road of seeing Mary as without sin, as some do, or as somehow part of how Jesus saves us, except to give birth, carry him and give birth to him. Now, the whole point of Mary's song here is, like any other psalm of praise, to point away from herself and give all the glory to God. Uh, Mary's song is shining a light on God's mercy, on his blessing for those who, like her, like us, don't deserve it. But we shouldn't go too far and say Mary isn't significant at all. Uh, the Holy Spirit has declared she is blessed among women and uh, will still, that we'll still be calling her blessed. And Elizabeth is considered herself in favor that Mary's uh, carry around there. But Mary is blessed because of who her son is. Blessed because this dire situation that she and Israel are in are about to be turned around. And she's found herself integral to the start of something, to the start of someone 
that is the turning point of not just Earth's history, but of all eternity. Um, when you ask a child um, if they had a good Christmas, generally they're not going to tell you about it was great because of what I had for Christmas dinner or it was great because of the relatives that came to visit. Generally, well, certainly me as a kid, will tell you about the gifts that they received. You know, that's what they're excited about. So one year for me, it was this. Space Lego. I reckon Dave McIver's still actually got his at home. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just so chuffed to bits with this. It was amazing. I loved it so much. I loved it so much that the rest of the family tucked into Christmas dinner. And it wasn't until the end of main course, like second course, that they realized that I wasn't there. Now, to be fair, there were about 25 people for Christmas dinner. But the real reason I'd missed dinner is because I was so engrossed and I loved my gift so much. That's what the day was all about. What Mary is excited about is her gift, God's gift, Jesus, that she's been tasked with bringing into the world. Mary's excited about what God has done for her. Uh, and when she describes herself as having a humble state, she's not particularly talking about being financially poor or that her hair's not quite right or she's got the wrong clothes on. No, she's talking about knowing at a heart level that she's not good enough and she can't save herself. For Mary's true humility is knowing that she needs God to save her and trusting him to do that. Mary wasn't too proud or too self-important to see that even she needed God to restore his, res his relationship with her. See, on our own, we all face God's fair and just judgment because of our unfaithfulness to him. And we can't make things right ourselves. We need God to rescue us. And in his son Jesus, that's exactly what he's doing. Mary understood her need for a saviour. Do you? Now, we tend to domesticate our rebellion against God, our sin. But the Bible describes our state without God's help as being dead, dead in our sins, like a sawn-off Christmas tree sitting there. We put tinsel and fairy lights on it to make everything seem okay. But at heart, our prideful rejecting of God and his ways, uh, us taking the reins of the sleigh, sleigh ride for ourselves, is, is, makes us dead in our sins. It's our rebellion against God. We need to hand the reins back to God and trust him to give us new life. We need to ask God for the insight that Mary had, realizing, realizing our need for God to save us, Realizing at the, same, at the same time both his mercy and his power. His mercy and his power. Excuse me. The main thing Mary wants to focus on is God's mercy and his power to rescue. That's what her song's mostly about. So her song, she's prayed about herself, and now her song expands to what God has done for her and to what he, from what he does for her to what he does for all humanity. Now, there's heaps we could say about the structure. It's a psalm, so there's lots of poetry things we could say. 
But a thing to notice is that there are lots of really strong action verbs. And in the original language, they take pride of place at the beginning of each sentence that you, for, for emphasis, that you really notice them, that God is in action all the way through this song to emphasize his strength and power. He's doing stuff. So from verse 48, he's mindful. Verse 49, he's done great things. Verse 51, performed mighty deeds. Verse 52, brought down. 53, filled, sent. 54, helped, remembering, being merciful. Get the idea, God is doing loads of stuff, lots of strong action. Uh, Just to explain strong arm there, you think, well, God's not got arms, has he? But how do you show someone that you are strong? Show your arms, it's that same concept. Words of doing, of, of powerful action, And they're so certain that Mary says them in the past tense, like they're a done deal, already happened. Because God is true to himself, and God's made promises, so they will definitely happen. And Mary is having a good sing about it because she's found herself integral to making it all happen. And what Mary sings is that God is is powerful, and he uses that power uh, in mercy... He uses it in a great reversal, and he uses it to show his mercy. So first, a great reversal. Verse um, 51. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Those bigging themselves up, proudly taking God's place, are brought down to size. The humble and the hungry, who, like Mary, know their need for God's rescue, lifted up. Now, Mary knows her Bible, and um, I think there's a cross-reference in your Bibles. This, this song has strong parallels to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. Mary knows what to expect from God. So it's like Christmas is coming up pretty soon, and each year is a bit different, isn't it? But you pretty much, you know roughly how things are going to pan out. So when I was growing up, I knew how the day would go. That at 6, 7 a.m., there'd be this flurry of wrapping paper. We'd open all the gifts. We'd take some along to church to show at the front of the church. Then back for dinner, which had to be at 1 o'clock, according to Grandad. Um, so Grandma, Grandad, all the uncles and aunties around. Um, you know, we'd... All the kids would be on like a card table, plonked on the end of the main table. All lots of diff- all chairs at different heights all over the place, wouldn't you? Um, Uncle Norman would always say, "Oh, so you got any DIY, any any renovation projects going on, Colin?" No, Uncle Norman, I'm only eight years old. Um, and then he'd spend the rest of the day washing up just to avoid my granddad. It was all very predictable, you know. Uh, You'd have your own sort of Christmas thing that you know is going to happen. You know what to expect. Well, Mary knows God's previous form. See, God has a habit of bringing down to size those who have ideas above their station. He's a habit of raising up the most unlikely to positions of importance and might. I mean, he starts an entire nation um, who are promised incalculable offspring. He starts that with an elderly infertile couple. 
He makes the sort of devious and indoorsy Jacob, father of Israel, not his brother, outdoorsy, super hunky saw. It's stammering Moses who, leads, who deals with Pharaoh and leads his people out, out of Egypt. And if we'd have started, look at Christmas in Matthew's gospel, Jesus' genealogy at the start of that is a rogues gallery of big-ticket sinners and failures who God used to fulfill his purposes anyway. Meanwhile, there's king after king, enemy after enemy in the Bible, always so sure of themselves, always seemingly so successful for a while. But each faces the same fate. God is mighty in dealing with such people. And his might is displayed in reversing the pecking order of the proud. So Psalm 2 sums it up really well. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, uh, let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. You know, sometimes we feel really small and weak, don't we? You know, you might find yourself thinking, if the people I work with knew what I believed, they'd think I was an idiot. Sometimes we can think, if I, if I ended up getting into a debate or an argument about God, I'm, I'm not sure I could hold my own. You know, some people you meet seem to have an answer to any defense of the gospel that you might put up. Some people sound really convincing. And there'll always be people who are brilliant at talking themselves and others out of believing and trusting in God. But God isn't worried. God scoffs at their puny efforts. And the promise is God will bring them down in their pride, whereas you, the humble, will be raised up as you trust in him. So as God is lifting the lid on what his salvation, his rescue of Israel and of all humanity is going to be like, he's letting Mary and us know that it's going to have that same flavor of how he's always operated. And Mary's baby, the son of the Most High, will go on to teach and live out this great reversal, won't he? He hangs out with tax collectors and prostitutes who realize their need for rescue, whilst warning against the self-righteous religious types. And he will go on to save us through the greatest reversal in the history of the universe. From Philippians 2. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, all of us deserve 
scattering, bringing down because of our prideful sin. But what's causing Mary to sing is that God is using his power and might to show us mercy. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And fear here, that's that appropriate awe for God, a recognition of his holiness and his awesomeness. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God has remembered his promises to his people uh, and through them to all of humanity. Promises to give us what we don't deserve. Promises to love us so much that he will make a way for us to be in his perfect presence forever, even though we rebel against him. And in this passage right here, today's passage, God is helping Mary uh, to see that he's about to fulfill these promises through the son she's carrying. You know, Jesus, the one, just get, try and get your head around it, the one through whom and for whom all of this, all creation was made, gestating in the womb of his humble mother. So just to wrap up, what has uh, God raised Elizabeth and Mary's sights to? And ours along with them. What is God's inside track on what is going on with Mary's baby? We can be joyful. Joyful. God's intervened in his might and mercy to bring us blessing through Jesus, keeping his promises to make his blessing available to all humanity. So we can be joyful. We can be humble, understanding our need for God to save us and, that, and trusting in Jesus to do just that. Joyful, humble, we can be confident that the proud and patronizing opponents of God won't win. They might win their argument with you, but in the long run, they won't win because God is mighty. We can be joyful, humble, confident, and we can be grateful and rejoice like Mary because God has been merciful to us, providing a way back to him despite our proud rejection of his rightful rule. Thought to finish, we'll just say some of Mary's words together. We're not Jesus' mum, so I've taken those bits out, but these bits I think we can all say together. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Amen.